good morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. So glad that you are here and joining with us in worship. This is our Men of Action series. We, we started that last week, and as we were mentioning, uh, May was Mother's Day. We were looking at uh, the, the month of May, Women of Faith. June is Father's Day, and so we're taking a look at uh, Men of Action, and we mentioned Faith needs to be put into action, and so they go hand in hand. Uh, women of faith certainly put their faith into practice, and men of action need to have some faith uh, behind that as well. So I'm going to invite you to turn with me, if you can, in two different places, New Testament and Old Testament, Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament, and Genesis chapter 6. That'll give you a clue as to where we are going and who we're going to be looking at. We're taking a look this morning at Noah. Now, there was a book, I believe it was Robert Fulgham, and he wrote this uh, kind of an inspirational, encouraging little book called All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And he had all these kind of little, simple lessons of life that you can take from kindergarten. And then on the heels of that, uh, different ones have kind of put together something similar. All I really need to know about life, I learned from Noah's Ark. So... Noah and the ark, one of those Bible stories that we've heard for years. Again, another one of those kind of flannel graph heroes of the faith. And so let me give you a handful of lessons from Noah and from Noah's ark. And these are just the encouraging ones, some of the ones that I found on the Internet. And then we'll get into God's word and what God has to say for us. So all I really need to know about life I learned from Noah's ark. Number one, plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. Planning ahead is good in life. Number two, don't wait for your ship to come in. Build one. Sometimes people are just, just waiting around for something to happen. Number three, stay fit. Someday, someone might ask you to do something really big. In other words, stay ready, stay prepared. As we're about to see, Noah was 480 years old when asked to build the ark. Stay ready and prepared. Number four, remember we are all in the same boat. We've all been facing and experiencing the, the same things these last number of weeks and months. Number five, speed isn't always an advantage. Cheetahs were on board Noah's ark, but so were snails. Sometimes it's not always about the speed with which we do things. Number six, remember that the ark was built by amateurs and the Titanic was built by professionals. Remember. Number seven, don't miss the boat. Don't miss it. Number eight, for safety's sake, travel in pairs. Good words of wisdom. Number nine, when you are stressed, float for a little while. And number ten, final one here. No matter the storm, know that with God, there's always a waiting rainbow. So we can turn to God. We can trust in God, even in the midst of whatever it is that we face. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, gives us kind of this one-sentence summary of Noah. And then we'll take a look at some of the actual scriptures from the Old Testament, Genesis 6 and even into 7. So here's what Hebrews uh, 11, verse 7 reads. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark 
to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. So this morning, we're going to take a look at four lessons or actions that you and I can put into practice from the life of Noah. Lesson number one is this. We must believe God's word. That scripture says that by faith, Noah, when warned about things, God had warned him what was to come, and Noah believed. How many of you, when, when a warning comes, uh, some of you are a little skeptical, a little hesitant? Well, I'm not so sure. Let me see if a second or a third or a fourth or a fifth person confirms this warning. I'm, uh, sometimes you're, you're skeptical about good news or skeptical about bad news or skeptical about instructions. God is warning Noah, and Noah believed. In fact, here's what Genesis chapter 6, beginning of verse 11, says. This is the, the background of uh, Scripture. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth, so make yourself an ark of cypress wood. The background, mankind was sinful. This was a sinful world, and God gave instructions. Listen, a flood's going to come, and I'm going to save and rescue you and your family. Here is the plan in place, and no one needed to believe God and take him at his word. His faith was grounded in the word of God as God spoke to Noah. Noah listened, but he believed. How many of you know we can do pretty good at listening? It, it's, it's almost automatic, right? Right now, some of you are nodding your heads on the outside. Some of you are you know, nodding your heads on the inside. But either way, this thing, these, these two things on the side of your head, they're working, you're hearing something. You're, you're listening to something. We all do really good at listening. We all don't do the best at believing what we hear. Again, sometimes we're skeptical. Sometimes it's, you know, well, consider the source. Absolutely. Noah heard straight from the source, Right? God himself. God said, here's what's going to take place, and here's the plan, and Noah believed. It had never rained before. It, it was something, this, this flood was going to be a future event, and he said, build this ark, this, this large thing that's going to float in the water. They're maybe about 100 miles or so from the nearest body of water. Build a big boat. That would take a little bit of maybe trust and belief to say, I'm going to believe God's word. God says a flood is coming and I need to do this. It's, isn't it difficult to kind of understand and believe something that hadn't happened yet? Now, right about now, we are all COVID-19 experts. Right? Raise your hand. You are a COVID-19 expert. Over, over these last number of months, we've heard everything just about to know about it. In fact, we've heard multiple viewpoints on the same thing throughout this entire process. I would say it was, what, probably 
even earlier when all of this took place in March, back in February, even in January, remember we started hearing some of the things from China or other parts of the world. Oh, wow, look what's happening over here. Boy, sure hope that that doesn't spread over here. And, and it was kind of one of those, you're, you're not sure what to believe because, wow, it's, it's terrible. It's like, a, like an earthquake or like a tsunami. We're seeing some of these things that are taking place worldwide, but we're not experiencing the, uh, them yet. <clears throat> and sometimes uh, we, we began to hear some of the people who were saying, prepare, get ready. This is something that's going to spread. And the question was, oh, I'm not sure about that. It was difficult to imagine. We hadn't really had something like this, uh, maybe quite the spread and certainly not the scope of our response. It was difficult to know what to understand and believe. We, we'd not necessarily lived through this before. So Noah, Noah was asked to do something. He was not a, a builder. He was not a boat builder. And God said, build this boat, build this ark. You're going you're gonna to need to take a lot of time to do so. You're going to need to get ready and prepared. Noah had certainly some instructions from God, but he didn't have all of the details. This was probably not a 500-page, you know, step-by-step, step, if you've put some things together, anywhere from kids' toys to, uh, to outdoor uh, projects. You know, many times there's this step-by-step -step process. And take part A, connect it to part B with part C. Noah probably didn't have that from God. And yet he had to believe. All he had was the word of God. God's word to him, and it was enough. Let me ask you this morning. Is God's word enough for you? It should be, right? We ought to believe God's word. Noah believed God's word, even though he didn't have all of the details. God gave him quite a few, but I'm sure he probably had some questions. I'm sure there were probably some things that might have been left out. Noah believed. Noah believed, even though he might not have understood everything. <laughs> Build a giant boat in the middle of nowhere for a flood that we've not experienced yet? Noah believed God's word. He believed even though he might not have agreed with everything. That's a tough one. Listen, God, I'm not so sure about this destroy the world thing. Uh, can't, can't you, what about saving a handful of other people? I'm not so sure about this, uh, this big boat thing, God. I mean, you want me to build it? I'm not so sure about this plan to have all these animals. I mean, are you serious? You want me to build a floating zoo? He might not have understood everything, might not have kind of, you know, processed everything, and yet he believed. Noah believed. Noah was 480 years old. Now, some people might think they're too young. Some people might think they're too old. But let me just take a simple, calculated, 100% true guess. Not a one of you in here, not a one of you watching online are anywhere near 480 years old. And that's when God started the process. I mean, can you imagine Noah thinking, um, how much time is this going to take, God? I'm not, I'm not sure what, what time I've got left. Hint. 
This process took 120 years to build. So you might, you might say, I have trouble believing what God has to say because I'm not sure I can do it. I don't know if I've got the time. I don't know if I've got the skill. I don't know if I've, I've got the ability. And God's saying, here's what I want you to do. Are we willing to believe in him? He believed even though he didn't see immediate results. Can you imagine how tough it would be to believe something Work on this boat for 120 years, and there's never like a pre-flood flood. flood. There's not like a a trial run or a test run or a practice flood, right? Okay, God, I've got got a lot of it done. Can, Can you send me a little mini flood to see if I'm doing this right? He simply believed in God. We've got to listen to God's word. Let's, let's not listen to the excuses. Let's not listen to uh, maybe some of the things that the enemy would try to come in and confuse us. We've got to believe God, believe his word. Uh, probably one of the, the greatest miracles of this process, it's not so much that you looked around and you saw all these people who witnessed what Noah did over all these years. The, the miracle isn't that nobody else believed. I would submit to you the greatest miracle is that Noah himself believed. How incredible would that be that God gives you this massive task and Noah wholeheartedly believed God every step of the way. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to believe what God has to say. We're good at receiving it. We can listen, we can read, we can study, we receive God's word. But sometimes when we read it, we struggle with the believing it. God talks about who we are in Christ. And then we, oh, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really nobody, I'm this, I'm not that. God talks about who we are as his children, his sons and daughters in Christ. Believe him when he says that. So, Number one, a great lesson from Noah overall is we must believe God's word. But it goes farther than that. We don't just receive and believe. Number two, we must act on God's word. Again, back to that that summary verse in Hebrews. It says that Noah in holy fear built an ark. Noah didn't just believe, he acted on that belief. You see, our belief in God, our trust in God, needs to lead us to action, not just agreement. We can read God's word and say, wow, I'm listening. I'm receiving what God has to say. Oh, yes, I believe it. What's that old phrase? God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Something like that. We can say, I believe what this word of God says. And then we sit it down and we walk away and nothing changes. It's not just that we believe it. We've got to act on it. Are we living how God wants to live? Are we doing what God wants us to do? Are we acting on what he has spoken to us? You see, Noah didn't just listen and believe. He then acted on it. 120 years worth of action. Wow, that is a lot. It's more than just an intellectual agreement. Yes, God, I understand what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying, so let me sit right here and contemplate what you're talking about. 
The, the challenge is he obeyed. That, that, that great act or challenge is cutting down that first tree. Did you ever think about some of those little things? God gives this incredible instruction, and, and Noah's going out, and the, the encouragement, right, the instruction was to build an ark of cypress wood. And he, he starts cutting down that first tree. <laughs> what you doing? Uh, building a boat. <laughs> a boat? What's that? You know, a, a big thing that's going to float in water. Well, where's that water going to come from? Well, the flood's coming. What's a flood? I mean, to take that first step to cut down that first tree and to act on what God had said. Noah didn't just listen. He didn't just believe, but he obeyed. He, he rearranged his entire life. This, this wasn't like one of those little side projects. You ever had, you ever had a, a friend or a neighbor or a family member who says, hey, uh, you know, you got a few minutes this afternoon. I got, I got a little something I need you to help me with. <clears throat> and you kind of think, uh, a few minutes? <laughs> I know it's going to take all afternoon, and I kind of had this planned over here. We're always kind of processing through what we had planned, Right? This wasn't Noah saying, I'm going to give up my afternoon for this project. Noah was giving up 120 years of his life for this project. That's an incredible action from Noah's aspect. Now, the instructions, if you were to take a look in Genesis chapter 6 and read through from 14 down through about 21, God puts a lot of instructions and verbs. Again, it's, it's detailed but it's not step by step. Some of his instructions include these words or verbs. To make, build, coat, put, enter, bring, take, and store. God tells him how to build the boat, how to coat it with the, the tar and the pitch, uh, all the animals to bring in, how to enter, how to store all of these things. Instruction, 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 instruction. Noah didn't just believe. That sounds like a good plan. I believe it. Noah acted on it. Noah, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded. Oh, let me read those first three words again. Noah did everything. Everything as God commanded. Here's the challenge for you and I. Sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes we obey, but we obey partially. If we're being honest and we raise our hands, we understand it's not just our kids or grandkids at times. It's all of us, right? We, we don't do everything that God instructs us to do. We'll, we'll read his word and we'll do some of the things because maybe that's a little bit easier. Or, or we'll do some of the things because we say, well, I already do that, so pat myself on the back, good for me. But to obey everything, to act on everything that God says, that's the challenge. And Noah was doing everything, everything from the boat, everything from the construction, from how he coded it to all of the animals that he brought in, the family, Everything step by step, Noah did everything God commanded. 
Every detail. Can you and I say that? Can we agree that we have acted on everything in God's word? That's a challenging and oftentimes convicting question. Because if we're honest and we read God's word, no doubt there's something you've read and you kind of pause and you say, oh, God wants me to do what? Mm. And then we immediately think of somebody else who can or should, should do that. Well, you know, boy, I sure hope so-and-so reads this today. Matter of fact, I might text them this verse. I, I think this is for them today. And God's nudging us that we ought to put this verse, we ought to put this scripture or teaching into practice. Noah did everything. We read through the word of God and, and there's a lot of challenging things in there. Loving our neighbor as ourself. Maybe you've got great neighbors on one side, but not so great neighbors on the other side. <laughs> How do we do that? Maybe we read it and, and God's word talks about the, the purity of our heart and the purity of our speech and our thoughts. And we're thinking, well, we read things through. And some things maybe we're already doing and a bunch of other things we're not. And God's desiring that we act on and obey all of what his word has to say. We see that lesson from Noah. Noah built this massive ark according to God's specifications. And again, this, this is not a, a Saturday afternoon project. Uh, we've had a, a few of those around our place uh, trying to do a, a couple little things on uh, uh, outside activities around the house. That's been maybe an evening here or there, a Saturday here and there. This is a 120-year project. Building an ark that's one and a half times the length of a football field. And four stories tall. So it's not just that it's really long but short. It's not just that it's really tall but small. It's long and tall. This is massive. The, the carrying capacity was nearly 14,000 tons. And if you're like me, you're like, well, what exactly does that mean? Let's put it to you this way. It's over 500 Freight train cars worth. You know, when, when you're stopped at a train, because we all love that, don't we? You're stopped at a train, and sometimes they're zipping by, and sometimes they're just barely going by. Any of you try to count them? I, I do sometimes. I don't think I've ever gotten anywhere close to 500. But can you imagine... 500 freight train cars worth. That's how much this boat was carrying. And with three different decks, the floor space was nearly 96,000 square feet. Again, you say, what does that mean? Uh, for you uh, people who have played or watched sports, that's about 20 basketball courts worth. So this is a long, tall, massive boat that can carry a lot. There would not be another built, a boat built to exceed this, uh, the size of this one until the 1800s. This is a massive scale, and Noah was acting on everything God had said. This was a long-term commitment. Obedience is a long-term commitment. The fact of obeying for 120 years is a massive 
challenge. And it takes courage many times to obey and to act on what God says. How, how many of you, many, many times, you have experienced that when you have tried to honor God, you have tried to faithfully obey God, maybe things don't always go so well. And that makes it a challenge, maybe the next time to obey something God, that God says. Because in today's day and age and culture, so many people are going the opposite direction. It's hard to go against the grain, obey, and act on what God's word has to say. Came across this, that in a, uh, an NCAA cross-country championship race, it's a running, cross-country running, it was held in Riverside, California. In this particular race, 123 out of 128 runners missed a turn. You've got to follow the course exactly as described. One competitor, Mike Del Cavo, turned the right way and stayed on course. And he began waving other runners to follow him. He was only able to convince four runners to do so. His response? Everyone else thought it was funny that I went the right way. Five people out of 128 runners went the right way. That, that's going against the mob. That's, that's going against the grain. So many in society are going against the Word of God, going against what God's Word teaches, and we are to not just believe God's Word, but act on God's Word. And it takes courage many times. For Noah, what kind of courage would it take for 120 years to build this massive boat and everybody, no doubt, would have plenty of time and ammunition to criticize, complain, and poke fun at? How difficult it would be for 120 years to have a wholehearted obedience and commitment to God. As William Penn put it, though, right is right even if everyone is against it, and wrong is wrong, even if everyone is for it. So we must not just believe God's word, we must act on God's word. Number three, we're encouraged to proclaim God's word. That verse in Hebrews says that by faith, Noah condemned the world. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 puts it this way. It calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. A preacher of righteousness. You're a preacher. Maybe not one that stands up at a pulpit with a microphone, but we are to preach and proclaim and declare God and His Word. And we can do so publicly, not just privately. This is pretty public. Building a boat of that size, that's not something you keep under wraps, right? Maybe the first couple of trees he chopped down, maybe the, the first little pieces or planks of wood, but eventually people heard a whole lot of noise. People saw this massive project taking shape. Noah was publicly proclaiming what he was living out. God has called me, I'm believing him, I'm acting on it, and now I am proclaiming his word. Many opportunities to kind of provoke or promote faith in God and other people. 
to, to tell about this rescue that God had planned. The, the flood is clum, uh, coming, and this is the means of safety. He was not keeping God's word a secret. He proclaimed God's word with his words and with his life. With his words, no doubt, he was called to preach or proclaim, not, not to be silent for 120 years, but he's able to share with other people what God's doing, what God's planning, and how he's able to follow what God is saying. And perhaps the preaching here, this preacher of righteousness, not sure which is more tough, the building of the massive boat or the preaching and proclaiming to a wicked and sinful generation how, how this was God's plan of safety. We, we read here in Genesis 6-5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Does that sound a little bit familiar? Living in a generation that is a sinful one. The wickedness was great. Every imagination and the thoughts of people's hearts, it was only evil all the time. This was the generation that Noah was supposed to build the boat in front of. This was the generation Noah was supposed to publicly proclaim God and his word. He was warning people God's, about God's judgment for sin, and our task is the same. We are to encourage and let other people know, no, the flood is not coming, but Christ is coming again. We are to be right. We are to be ready. We need to make sure that we are ready and right with God. It's faithful to tell other people about the love and the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness that is available through Jesus Christ. So he proclaimed God's words with his words, but as well with his life. Every plank, every, every maybe pounding of the hammer and nail, getting this ready, the, the coating it with pitch, all of these things were declaring to other people, I've heard and believed God's word, I'm acting on them, and now I'm proclaiming. It, it's not just theory. I'm not just speaking it, I'm living it out with my words. And that's sometimes a challenge, right? It's, it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to live it. We know the phrase, actions speak louder than words. We can need and use words, we are to proclaim with our words, but it's not just with our words. If we declare and we hold up a Bible and we say, thus saith the Lord, and we speak what he says, that's great. But if we turn around and do the exact opposite, what does that do to our witness as we're trying to share with others about Jesus? And so for Noah, certainly it's both communicate with his words as a preacher of righteousness, but proclaiming God's words with his life. How are we doing in that? Is it more than a Sunday morning living for Christ? I, I trust that it is. Is it more than uh, maybe just a, a little glimpse of God's word here and there throughout the week? Or is it a wholehearted faithfulness and commitment to what God has for us? That's what he has called us to do. We can live it out. Now, the places where we go have, have been a lot limited in these past few months. And, and little by little, they're opening. Not every 
workforce is back yet and not sure all of what the school systems are going to look like in the fall, but wherever we go, work or community or school, the jobs, the, the neighborhoods, will they see Jesus in us, that we proclaim God's word in our lives? So some great thoughts here from Noah were to believe God's word, act on God's word, proclaim God's word, and then finally this morning, we are to seek God's righteousness. The ending part of Hebrews eleven seven says, By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is keeping with faith. In Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, it says this, The Lord said, I have found you righteous in this generation. Now, quick note, God said, I have found you righteous. God did not say, I have found you perfect. Who's perfect? Are you? <laughs> no. Am I? No. I mean, take a look around the sanctuary. Take a look around wherever you might be right now. And every single person you lay eyes on is imperfect. We've all sinned. The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're not called to perfection. Only Jesus Christ is perfect. Now, many times we take a look at these biblical heroes, the, the men and women, whether it's the women from last month or uh, the men of the messages this month, and we look at them, we almost put them up on a pedestal uh, because we, we kind of feel that they are perfect. You ever, you ever thought that way? I don't know that I could ever measure up to some of these men and women because, well, they did this. I mean, look at Noah. Faithfulness, commitment, obedience, acting on God's word for 120 years. I'm not sure if I could do that. And so you begin wondering. Noah was not perfect in his life, but God said he was declared righteous. Understand, later in the chapter even, later in chapter 7, we see that Noah planted a vineyard, drank of its fruit, and got drunk. And then a number of other not-so-great family things took place following that. So Noah is not perfect. The man we looked at last week, King David, certainly with Bathsheba, with Bathsheba's husband in the murdering of him and taking, lusting after, committing adultery with Bathsheba, taking her to be his wife following the murder. I mean, time and time and time again, David did some pretty big-time sins. And he was declared as a man after God's own heart. David was not perfect, but considered righteous. Noah was not perfect, but considered righteous. We are to seek righteousness. We are to seek godliness. Is our heart and our desire to honor and obey and serve God in all that he's got for us? And that when we fall and when we mess up and when we sin, we turn to God, we surrender to God, and we ask him to cleanse and to forgive us. Listen, it can be difficult in the midst of a wicked, evil, and sinful generation. And we've seen time and time again in situation after situation Many of the things that God's word declares, the, the popular opinion of the masses is against God's word. 
And little by little, it takes more and more courage to stand up, believe, trust, and act on what God's word has to say. Are we willing to continue seeking what God has to say for our lives? That we read and obey and then seek godliness, seek righteousness. The righteousness that he received made a big difference in his personal life. He was blessed of God. The belief plus the, the obedience in his actions resulted in many blessings. He, he and his family were saved from the flood. That's an incredible blessing. But it made a difference not just in his life and, and the family that was spared. They, they were safe on that ark with a whole bunch of animals. How many of you, you know, you've got one pet and you think you're just overwhelmed? Or maybe you've got two or three or four. Or, or maybe some of you have a, a handful of, of animals, maybe a little bit of a, of a mini farm kind of going on, on your property. And, you know, 5, 10, 15, you think, that's plenty. Can you imagine a boat the size of the ark and, and trying to take care of animals with your, your family? Noah was blessed. The family was blessed. They were fruitful. They increased in number and prospered in the earth. A whole lot of children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and etc. There are a lot of blessings that, that continued far beyond his life. But he made a great difference in the life of those in this world. The, so many future generations were impacted by his sense of righteousness and godliness seeking after God. We know that the rainbow was given as God's promise. He would never again flood or destroy the world with that flood. So, so many individuals were blessed as a result of that righteousness. Sometimes we, we wonder, does it really matter that I'm trying to live for God? Yes. Can I make a difference living for God? Yes. It makes a difference. It makes an impact in your life in your family, in your community, in your church body, in those that you come in contact with, as we are seeking God's godliness and righteousness, God is going to bless. Now, it doesn't mean that every blessing is exactly what you hope for or pray for. There's a lot of different ways God can bless, as Noah was blessed here. So we are to believe God's word, we are to then act on God's word, proclaim God's word, and seek his righteousness, even in the midst of a wicked, evil, and sinful generation. <music>